With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Master Builders Victoria, supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet? Call today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have you company wherever you might be listening around the planet. It's Midday Madness time. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. And it is great to have you company and be back with you for another massive week as we wind our way a little closer to the start of the AFL season off the back of a Monday where we had a ripper weekend of sport. Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria, supporting businesses in residential, commercial and civil construction. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Midday Madness, anything you'd like to discuss, we'll get you on in the next couple of hours on that Werribee Kia open line. one three hundred. 736-736, the open line number, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 A bit of NBL later on. Jeremy Lowliger, the commissioner of the NBL, is going to join us later on. Uh, David King, I hope, will join us later on. He's been to Richmond training today, so a little bit of AFL to come later on as well. But your call's the priority, as always, on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Werribee Kia open line. And the 40 Winks Temper text is up and running as well. 0433. 98 11 16 98 11 16 the 40 winks temper texting a sensory text i'll read a heap of those out during the course of the afternoon but as i always say it's talkback radio so i would much rather have a chat to you plenty to get to from the weekend of sport one thing i do need to start with um and your thoughts on this the bbl it's got a top five for an eight team comp so five of the eight make the finals 62 percent make the finals in the bbl Seven of the eight could have made the finals in the last round of games. So it was a fantastic BBL season, mainly because games were alive in the season, late in the season, because even those lower on the ladder had a chance to make the finals. It made it much more interesting. And we're coming off the back of a weekend where the NBL's last round of games was superb. The NBL has a top six for a top ten, for a ten-team comp. So six out of the ten make the finals. So 60% of teams make the finals in the NBL. And it was an epic. Um, thriller last round, and it came down to pretty much Dazan Vasilovic's last three-point attempt with two seconds left in the final game of the regular season to decide whether the Wildcats were going to get through or Melbourne United were going to get through. And it was superb, to be honest. To be honest, we're having eight ten teams of the ten teams alive to make the finals in the NBL until the very last day of regulation season was superb. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I mentioned it with JJ earlier on. The AFL, it's got a top eight for an 18-team comp. So eight of 18 teams make finals. 44% make finals. It's one of the lowest percentages of any sporting competition final series in the world. And it's against the trend. It's an obvious trend for obvious reasons. So should the AFL get with the trend? Mitch Creek... He was on breakfast this morning on SEN. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix have made 
the playoffs. They're in. Mitch Creek didn't like the idea of a playing finals system. Didn't think the NBL system of a top four for a 10-team comp needed to change. He's a traditionalist, but he's admitted today that he was wrong. Here's Mitch Creek on breakfast. Yeah, that's what this uh, this six-team format going into the play-in finals is all about. It, it keeps it closer uh, for a fair few teams out of a 10-team league. So like Bogut said, you know, I, I got it wrong as well. I, I didn't think it was a, a great idea or think it would work, you know, too well. I didn't know how it was going to fare, but man, has it just proved to be helpful for us. And then too incredible for the league and keeping it close until the very last second of, of, of however many games have been played this season. So this is not me making stuff up. This is actually real. We saw it in the BBL. It enhanced our love of the BBL. And we saw it in the NBL. It enhanced our love of the final round of the NBL. So should the AFL change as well? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We head to your calls. Grant, John, Glenn, we'll come to you all. It's Midday Matters. We'll start with you, Grant, and Black in Craigie, man. What can you do, Grant? Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Um, just on the NBL, I uh, took my son yesterday for the first time, who's seven, and he, he, he just absolutely had a ball. I've taken him to the AFL. We had to leave at halftime because he just got bored and he wanted to play on the iPhone and the iPad. But yesterday, I was a bit worried taking him, but he, he, he did not ask to do anything except just sit down and watch the game. Bought him a hat. He hasn't taken it off. He's wearing it to school. And, uh, yeah, and Rajon Tucker is his favourite player at the moment. He's never, <laughs> ever seen an NBL game in his life. And yesterday's game was epic because both teams could still theoretically make it, even though Adelaide's chances of making it was a long shot. But if there was a top four, Melbourne United and that game yesterday against the 36ers would have been a complete waste of time. It would have been a dead rubber. Yeah, and like even just on that, he was like cheering the whole way. He was yelling out defence when they were calling out defence. And like he wouldn't move except to go to the toilet at half time. Then when we got back, the game was about to start. So there was no time wasting in between to keep him occupied or anything like that. It was just really, really good and well run, I thought. It is well run. In fact, Jeremy Lodega, the commissioner, is going to join us shortly. But, look, I've been part of the NBL and the evolution of it under Larry Kesselman for a while now. Not this year, but this year's best been fantastic to sit back and watch the evolution continue. Hold the line. Got something for you, Craig, for kicking us off today. You've got a Signet Boost Power Bank valid at fifty nine ninety five. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. John in Bacchus Marsh, your thoughts, John? I know I'm not going to get a lot of support on this, but the more I watch the NFL playoffs, and I know it's America and everyone's going to carry on about it, the more I watch the NFL playoffs, the more I hate the fact that we have a final system where you can lose and continue on. I'd like to go to a situation where if you lose a final, you're out. But I know you'd have to change the structure of it. I'd go the playing tournament 5-12, to 12, and the top four get a bye, and then the next week you're down to eight teams and it's knockout all the way to the Premier. There is a way of doing it, John. I agree with you 100%, where you get more knockout games, more cutthroat, sudden-death games, whether it's a top four they get the double chance, a top three, they get the double chance, and have, we have a nine. There's lots of different ways of doing it. You just need to understand that the, most sports, most competitions are going a different way to the way the AFL currently does it. That's the issue. I mean, this is the AFL is kind of against the trend. It's stuck in its tradition, and I know we don't want to change some traditions because they're fantastic, but this seems like a tradition we're stuck into the detriment 
of a competition that come round 16-17 has got so many teams that can't make the eight that games become dead rubbers way earlier in the season than the NBL. Well, they didn't have any dead rubbers in essence and neither did the BBL really uh, because even the Stars, even as bad as they were, could still make the finals late in the season. Uh, John, I'm agreeing with you. Everybody that hates the thought of doing anything American on in our sport in Australia you know, every now and then, guess what? The Americans do come up with a good idea. Uh, hold the line. Got something for you as well. You've got a Brick Lane Brewing Voucher, Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, perfect for all occasions, and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Glenn in Broader Meadows. You there, Glenn? Australia has missed a real opportunity to promote the traditional brands like the Bush Rangers, the Tigers, the Warriors, um, at, at the moment, you can't buy uh, Warriors or Bush Rangers or Tigers or New South Wales Blues merchandise from Rebel Sport or at any of the venues. It's all its all just the BBL. It's all the Renegades and the Stars. Um, on, on Sunday, I was talking to my nephew. He's 10. He watches the BBL night after night after night. He didn't know who the Victorian Bush Rangers were. So to me, the BBL should have made state cricket, Sheffield Shield and the Marsh Cup bigger. It's actually made it far smaller. And they've literally destroyed all those brands that they took years to build, the Bulls, the Warriors, the Tigers. They're, they're just all gone. So I feel like there's just been a huge opportunity missed. So what's the solution? Do we bring the BBL back in line? So there's one team in your state. So Adelaide, for example, you go back to being aligned with the Redbacks. So your BBL team becomes the Redbacks. So you barrack for the Redbacks in the BBL and in your domestic cricket competitions, be it one day or the Shield? I, I think what they should have done is they should have kept all the states as they were and then you could have added, I think, maybe a, a, another team in, say, Geelong and maybe the ACT and you could have maybe given the two new teams an extra overseas player and, like, capped how many they could take from other, other states. But to me, what they've done is they've completely just the chance to promote the Sheffield Shield and the Marsh Cup has been completely wasted. And, and I, mean, I think it's obvious now, if you look at the Sheffield Shield crowds and the Marsh Cup crowds right now, they've never been smaller than what they are today. And and to me, that's because of the way they've just sort of... Even the way they scheduled the um, the 50-over state competition, there was a, a time there where they were playing all the games in one state early in the season. So sort of out of season, all in the one state, it was just sort of pushed to the side like it wasn't important. And if... Cricket Australia's got an attitude that the 50-over comp's not important, and it's not surprising that the kids don't know who the Bush Rangers are and don't know who the Warriors are. When it, it should have been, if you had of, I really feel like there's just a, a massive chance missed to... to the, the Warriors brand in WA right now should be huge. Instead, the Warriors brand is just almost unknown. All that Warrior merchandise that we saw on the TV, all that merchandise, all the kids wearing the jerseys and waving the flags, that should all be Warriors. They should be the, a huge brand in WA. Instead, they're almost unknown. But is that a problem, Glenn? I mean, the jewel in the crown of Australian domestic cricket right now is the BBL. So by promoting the BBL, making the BBL as huge as it is and making those BBL brands as huge as they are, they're not, you know, whipping a dead horse, which is Shield Cricket. I mean, you're never, ever going to be able to get Shield Cricket to have the crowds that it did have 35 years ago when, you know, big-name stars from the West Indies, etc., would come and play in our Sheffield Shield. That will never happen again. It'll never have crowds of 20,000 at Shield games. So is it worth whipping that dead horse? And is it better off just to put everything ploughed into the jewel in the crown, which is the BBL, and promote that to the point that it's become almost a, a must-watch these days in the summer? 
But yeah, I think you can promote the BBL and also promote Sheffield Shield and the Marsh Cup at the same time. The, the Bush Rangers, I used to go to Bush Ranger games um, before they brought in the Stars and the Renegades, and they would get for a day-night state game, you know, between sort of five, six, seven thousand people. Now they get a couple of hundred. Um, so you can, I think you can do both. You can promote the BBL. It, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't have hurt the crowd on Saturday night to have had um, the Bulls playing the Warriors. And and by having it the Bulls versus the Warriors, you, at the same time you're promoting the Marsh Cup and you're promoting the Sheffield Shield, and, and those, both those brands would, would be bigger. Instead, you've just got the BBLs everything and the Sheffield Shield nothing, and the the Marsh Cup is nothing. And I, I think also if you look at 50 over cricket around the world, we're one of the very few countries where it's just completely almost disappeared. We're, we're a bit of an outlier. So if you, if you watch um, ODI cricket, especially in the subcontinent, it, it's as big now as what it was 15 years ago. Whereas in Australia. The ODI cricket has completely vanished. Glenn, I, uh, I, I kind of agree to disagree with you. You've made a really good point, but I think the jewel in the crown is the BBL. I don't think the Sheffield Shield is ever going to get back to what it once was. Um, you know, that, that sort of cricket to draw crowds is dead. And I don't think any amount of promotion ploughed into it, any amount of publicity, uh, billboards will get people all of a sudden flocking back to the Sheffield Shield and the Marsh Cup. I think the BBL is the future, and everybody kind of realises that now. But hold the line. We've got something for you. Brick Lane Brewing Voucher. Brick Lane, one love pale ale coming your way. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number if you've got a thought on that or the fact that the BBL season and the NBL season was an absolute ripper because the BBL's got a top five for an eight-team comp and the NBL's got a top six for a ten-team comp. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 A couple of texts coming through here. Uh, please, Dwayne, no one cared about state domestic cricket, T20. Now they have um, the big bash. Rich, thanks for that. Another one here. Based on your daft theories, why not just have all the teams make the finals and not bother with the regular season? Well, I'm not saying that. So that's an extremist, ridiculous text to be sending through. I'm not saying every team makes the finals. What I'm saying is that the BBL has looked to what the future is and they've succeeded and been clever. The NBL has looked to what the future is, and they succeeded And being clever. Should the AFL realise what the future looks like when it comes to finals? Scrap out to your calls and your text for Midday Madness for Melbourne Roadside Rescue. Wrong fuel extraction. Search upshipcreek.com.au. We're talking about the NBL season and the BBL season having epic seasons where the majority of the competition could make the finals right up until the last game. And what we saw in the NBA was eight of the ten teams be alive in the finals race until the very last day. And it made all the games more interesting and had less dead rubbers. So your thoughts on, well, the BBL's got a top five for an eight-team comp. The NBL's got a top six for a ten-team comp. Should the AFL continue to leave its head in the sand and uh, not look at the options that the rest of the world are looking at to make their competition better for longer and to enhance their competition. Uh, a couple of texts that have come through. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you've got a thought on it. Uh, one here, I think the AFL final system should change, but AFL fans don't accept change too well. We like traditional values. That's the issue that we're facing right now. I mean, it's the traditional value. Do we stick with it? Uh, there goes Dwayne again, trying to change the AFL. Had enough of listening to Dwayne's crap, not listening today. Total tool. Uh, thanks for that text. Uh, look, you can bury your head in the sand or turn your radio off and uh, head to the beach. That's your prerogative. But the bottom line is the BBL have done it. The NBL have done it. We're talking about reality here. They've done it to their success. And there must be... I mean, the NBL probably laughs at the AFL in a way. I mean, the AFL put its head in the sand when it came to Tasmania. And guess what? The NBL grabbed that state and now own it. 
Um, and this enhanced final series has been a big win for the NBL. Um, John in Port Augusta on coming to you very shortly. Uh, finals are a joke. The Premier League, one of the most successful leagues in the sport, doesn't need finals. So thanks for that. So maybe we should go to that system. 18 teams, Premier League, uh, the top team wins the championship. I don't think that'll be happening. Um, not because of tradition, but simply about ensuring only the best teams make the finals. Keep it as it is or have a wildcard weekend for positions 7 to 10. That's from AK, and that's what I'm talking about, AK, having something for the teams up to 10th, which is, you know, 50% if you like or 44% if you like. But if we had a 9 for an 18-team comp, it would be 50%. And if we bring in a 19th team in a few years' time with Tasmania, you could make it a 10 um, Victoria dropped the Bush Rangers moniker about 10 years ago. They did. Uh, it wasn't politically correct, so they did drop with that. Um, 1-300-736-736 is the open line number. John, you've been holding a while. Uh, welcome to you, John. Yeah, hi, Dwayne. Uh, yeah, I watched a documentary on Fox Sports, Fox Sports it was, the other day about uh, who's the greatest test string, the real stuff. You know, all this big bash of mine else. It's not my cup of tea. But uh, being a slightly older generation, but test tree, the real, the best, the best test tree of all time, whether it be a Bradman or a Sobers or a Warner or a Morlithron, and they went and they went right through it. Uh, I don't know who the gentleman was who pieced it together or the rest of it, but he came up with the Don as the greatest cricketer. Lot. Heard, growing up, I heard a lot of stories. There's been no better actual cricketer than Sobers. But when you think about it, the Don, regardless of what you think he was a man or because he had different stories there too as a person, but um, the Don averaged, as we all know, 99.94. The best of the day was Walter Hammond with 58, and the best in history is 60-61 with Graham Pollock and or Steve Smith. And um, bats have improved. The fields come in. Protection, he must have been an absolute. Is there an argument that Don is the greatest sports person of all time, even better than Carl Lewis, these sort of blokes, Dwayne? Your thoughts? Uh, oh, John, I, didn't, I wasn't around in that time, so I can't really equate it to, to what's happening now. It's a bit like, I mean, even when I think of the AFL, John, it's hard to equate people like Polly Farmer to the Ruckman of today. It's hard to, you know, these are all-time greats, these people, but how can you equate John Coleman to what happens now? Because the eras are so different, and cricket's the same. Um, the eras are so different. I, I think it's really difficult to to draw a line and say, well, this is, a, a you know, this guy was the greatest of all time when he was the greatest of his era, and maybe different eras take a different kind of person, and maybe the ability to adapt in that era and become the person you have to be to try and dominate that era makes you even better. I mean, there could be some, you know, way or shape or form that the statisticians could come up with to say that Steve Smith is better than the Don. I'm sure there's a lot of those that believe Viv Richards is, you know, one of the greatest batters of all time, given the circumstance of the bowlers that he faced and the fact that he walked out there with a floppy hat on. I appreciate your call, though, John, and I love your retrospective look at a heap of stuff. It's always great to have you on. Um, thanks for your call, by the way. Um, Andrew and Nidri, you got a thought on the extension of the final series. Welcome to you, Andrew. Yes, Dwayne. Dwayne, look, I've got to disagree with you to a certain extent. I think the way we've got it is fine. What we need to uh, do is find a way 
of getting the bottom sides to improve to the level they need to, so make it uh, the games more interesting. But um, if Tassie comes into the league, then, yeah, maybe we can extend the final series to 10. But um, as is, I think uh, I think the way we've got it at the moment is fine. And um, there's probably only two sides outside the eight in, in any normal year are competitive with the other sides. So you can expand it by two, maybe, but not not just, you know, give everybody a chance. You don't want to start... No, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. And let's clarify this, Andrew, for a starters. Yeah. You're actually agreeing with me, because I never for well, one minute said, let's yeah. give everyone a chance. What I actually said no, was maybe we should have a system where 50% are playing, and you're saying we should have a 10 for an 18 team comp, which is more than 50%. I'm saying 44% yeah. is wrong. The way we've got it now with 44%, yeah. I think is wrong. Why not try and have a nine system... Or which would be fifty percent of an eighteen team comp, at least move from the forty four percent, which is archaic. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm agreeing to a certain extent. I, I'd rather see how we can improve before we expand the the final system. How do you, how do you get the bottom sides better? And and why yeah. are they still? You know, why we still have you know six clubs basically by the fourth round or fifth round, are virtually you know curing the rack type situation. That's what I hate. I mean, yeah. I hate having round yeah. six or seven come and they can't make it. And that's the... Yeah. the and, and we're talking about tanking and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we're actually agreeing, Andrew. I appreciate your yeah. call. Need to take a break. Back to your calls. Need to take a break. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you want to join me for Midday Madness for Melbourne Roadside Rescue, put the wrong fuel in your car. Visit upshipcreek.com.au. Uh, news just in from Melbourne... Christian Salem has been placed on a modified training program due to a thyroid concern, I'm told. The defender, and I'm reading from um, this report, the defender has battled a similar problem in the past, which impacts the body's heart rate, blood pressure, body temperature and weight. Um, So we'll keep you in touch with that as well as uh, we continue to hear about players not quite being able to cope with the pre-season at the moment, where be it injury under the Zach Williams circumstance or just uh, health reasons like Christian Salem, it's being reported. Straight back to your calls and your texts for Midday Madness. Uh, Hi, Dwayne. Quality, not quantity. No point playing finals if you can't make an impact. Teams finishing eighth generally are just making up the numbers. George from Blackie South. Well, George, the team that finished fifth at the end of the home and away season in the BBL, five of eight, made the final and with a few balls left, were a chance to win it. It was a ripper. And they were up to the challenge. So it can happen. You know, fifth of eight teams heading into the finals and you almost win the damn thing away from home. So uh, just because we think that teams that finish low on the ladder in the finals won't make an impact, you might not be right. I mean, I played in the Sandville in 84 when a team won from the elimination final, coached by Neil Baum. Norwood beat the top team in the grand final. Uh, BBL will hurt our national team and the effects will come through in five years. Uh, thanks for that text as well. Uh, what's the point of the season, though, if you don't cut off teams? Stephen, well, you are cutting off teams. I'm just suggesting have 50% as you cut off, as opposed to 44%. So let's get this right. I'm not suggesting all 18 teams make the finals, but uh, there are some on the text that believe that's what I said. So, uh, But it's nice that you hear what you want to hear. Uh, the BBL and the NBL were on their deathbeds and needed change to survive. The AFL has always been strong, so it doesn't need a change. Matt, I agree with that point. I think there is a lot of merit in that. The AFL 
has been so vibrant that it doesn't need to change, whereas the NBL and the BBL probably needed something added. So, yeah, I agree with that point in a way. Allowing more sides to make finals like the BBL means that you sacrifice the importance of the first half of the tournament. You should never have more than 50%. Yeah, I'm okay if we settle with 50%. If, if, if we had a nine, uh, we had a system where we did have an extra team make it. it. The interesting part will be what does the AFL do when Tassie comes in in 2028? Uh, another one here. I believe the BBL final should be the best of three matches with the minor premier having two home games. Lessen the home and away by a couple of weeks. Your thoughts? No. That's a radical suggestion. Kevin Sheedy said a couple of decades ago, the AFL should have a best of three grand final series. Um, maybe the BBL will be the first to do it. The NBL does. It has a best of five um, grand final series and it works big time. Uh, we will never lose history while John from Port Augusta is around. It's always great to have John on the line. Uh, Darren in Blackman, you've got a thought on the play on round, playing round. Welcome to you, Darren. Good afternoon, Dwayne. Thank you for taking my call. I want to ask you a favour, Dwayne. Can you, can you hold off on this discussion until next year? Because looking at the season ahead shaping up, I think the top nine teams from last season are all potential top four. I think we're going to have significant improvement from Port Adelaide. I think we're going to have improvement from GWS. Uh, I think we're going to have improvement from St Kilda. We could have the situation going into the last round where every position in the top 12 to 14, including, you know, who gets the double chance, who makes the finals, could be up for grabs. So it, it could just be, your point could be moot in seasons moving forward as the competition equalises. Because I think if we run the risk of playing rounds too early or before the competition equalises and more teams are more competitive, you could end up with a situation that happens in the NFL that I hate, which is when teams with losing records make the playoffs. Because you had Tampa Bay, who had a losing record, hosting Dallas, who had a winning record, because they won their conference. So, yeah, just those are sort of anomalies. But if there's consistency in... in um, in positions being done and dusted a month out, then I certainly think there's merit in your suggestion. Yeah, appreciate your call, Darren. I think 50% would be a good solution. That's just my thinking. I think 50% is about right, and then, then you'll have a situation where um, you do have you know teams that um, have winning records, essentially, or at least 50-50 records are going to make it. But, yeah, there's, I think there's a bit of merit in at least looking at why... It has worked in other competitions to the point that it keeps teams alive for later in the season. Your point might be right in that we might have more teams this year because I think it will be a more even season. You're not going to have the West Coast only win two games this year like we did last year. I don't think you're going to have North Melbourne only win two games this year like they did last year. So I do think the bottom couple of teams might even have... You might have a wooden spoon team with six or seven wins, which would be great. But, um, you know, in saying that, Kane Corn said last week... Do you reckon seven teams can't make the eight before the season even starts? So that's the situation we've got right now. Um, we might head to round five, and it might be open for 12 teams to win the flag, but we might actually have seven teams who can't win it. Appreciate your call. Boys, great to have your company for Midday Madness. A couple of texts that have come through. So many texts, and I head back to your calls. Plenty of your calls on the line as well. Uh, honest with all due respect, I'm starting to think that maybe you and Jared and a few others are archaic and not the finals system. Maybe it's time we push 
get a push of younger people on the radio and TV. Paul, thanks for that, Paul. Uh, well, there's a younger person that was on before me, Josh Jenkins, and he agrees. He thinks it's a good idea. Um, and Mitch Creek was on breakfast saying he was against having a playing game and a playing system for the NBL. He's young. He's in the game. And he was thinking that the old tradition was right, but he's changed his mind. He said that this morning, and he believes it's now a good idea to have that change. So he's a younger person as well, and he's the reason, him saying that he wanted to change or did change his mind, the reason why I'm asking you whether you might, but it sounds like you might not. Um, BBL is the worst competition in Australia just behind the A-League. Yeah, see, we get some funny texts. <laughs> I don't agree with that, but if you don't like the BBL, that's fine. Um, Bulldogs finished seventh and won it. Absolutely, they did. Thanks for that text as well. Uh, bottom four will win 15 games between them, less than last season. Games will be closer, but the end result won't be. Uh, thanks for that. And another here. Uh, I think you'll be surprised. Maybe that's why you won't give the stats that nine, even ten in the last few years has been a contention right up until the last round. That's from Paul. No, Paul, I'm happy to give that stat. I agree with you, 100%. Nine and ten teams have been in contention for the eight in the last few rounds. I'm happy to talk about that, celebrate it. It's been great. I'm just thinking that having 12 or 13 teams in the race in the final round or 14 teams in the race might be better than having 10 teams in the race in round 23. So uh, keep your calls and texts coming. Happy to read them out, even for those that disagree. Uh, Andre in Perth, you're at the Big Bash final. Welcome to you, Andre. Great to have you on the line. G'day, Dwayne. Thanks for having me. Um, just a quick, uh, I suppose, question or wanting your comment. Uh, there are a lot in the media saying that the Big Bash needed the test players to stay back to draw a crowd and they wanted to see the best uh, players in the country playing. Um, 54,000 people in Perth on 40-degree um, heat. Um, if you have test players, Agar's in, Connolly's out. Um, and I just want to get your thoughts on whether you agree with the others that were saying they needed uh, the test players for the final series to be a success. Andre, I did believe that it would have been a better final series had the test players still been available to play, but you are 100% spot on. Uh, Connolly doesn't play if uh, you know Agar sticks around there. And it might not have been as close a final. It was amazing to think that you would get the fourth highest BBL crowd of all time in 10 seasons, the 12 seasons, I should say, 53,886. So maybe the proof is in the pudding. Um, it's just a great comp. And maybe, Andre, they're just sport lovers in Perth to the point that they do pack out every Wildcats game and every Scorchers game anyway. Oh, I would disagree there. Oh, you disagree with there? You don't think it's I Perth I won't, people? I, w- I won't oh, disagree yeah, I there. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, and uh, I would also ram home the point to those in Hobart who were calling a couple of weeks ago saying you don't need a new stadium. Um, a new stadium has done a lot for sport in WA, and an enhanced Adelaide Oval has done a lot for sport in SA. Um, Richard in Bowen Head, you got a thought on the playing round? What can you hear, Richard? G'day, Dwayne. How are you? Yeah, good. That's good. Welcome back for 23. A bit tongue-in-cheek here, Dwayne. Um, I, I want to talk about the uh, finals places, but firstly, the the, uh, the donuts that have a go at you about talking about Geelong. Um, I don't know. How can you not talk about success? Um, so keep at it, I reckon. Uh, in terms of the, 
number of teams in the final next year. Hang on, just on that, on that, Richard. Before you before you go on, Richard, was that try, were you trying to trip me up there? I haven't mentioned Geelong in the first forty-seven minutes of the program. You're trying to get me to mention them so they come again at me, Richard. Is that where is that what you're trying to do? No, mate, I'm not. I promise you. I, I just, <laughs> when when you bring it up, I think, well, how can you not talk about a club that's been so successful? You know. Yeah, they did win um, the flag. Yeah. Anyway, your other point. Yeah. Uh, it won't matter how many teams make the finals next year. And this is where we're getting tongue-in-cheek because Geelong are going back-to-back anyway, mate, so it's all, all irrelevant. Thanks for raising Geelong, Thanks, Richard. Uh, Mark, Mark and, uh, uh, hold the line, Richard. Got something for you as well. Got heaps of stuff to give away. So um, you've got four tickets to the Melbourne Beer Fest, Katani Gardens, St Kilda, Saturday 25th of February. Tickets at www.beerfestivals.com. Dot com dot au. Still a heap to give away, by the way, on the program, including a bottle of Starwood two-fold double-grain Australian whiskey, thanks to Hairy Dog's Summer of Aussie Spirits, hairydog.com.au. Uh, Jeremy Lowligan, by the way, the Commissioner of the NBL, to join us a little bit later on. And uh, we'll have a chat to one of the Perth Scorchers, I understand. Mark and Bacchus Mars, thanks for holding. Mark, welcome to you. Thanks, Dwayne. Mate, I believe there's a direct correlation between pay TV and attendances at sporting events. I believe when the BBL was all free to wear, you got the biggest crowds. The BBL is a shadow of what it was. When you think about it, we had over 80,000 people show up for a game, which is a record, only back in 2015, 16, whatever it was. It wasn't that long ago. Now you're barely making 20, and that's a good day. More around 10s to 15s. It's a shadow. But what's happened is it's moved to pay TV. Friday and Saturday nights, no free-to-air. Like, how many people were disenfranchised on New Year's Eve this year when the New Year's Eve game, which has always been on free-to-air, wasn't on free-to-air this year? And that was the Melbourne Stars. Um, mate, I honestly believe there is a direct correlation. I think sports need to learn. Yeah, you might get offered a few more buckies at pay TV, but you're losing at the other end because you're disenfranchising people. They're losing interest. They're not showing up anymore. So you're losing, really, in the long run, in my opinion. And that's just the way I see it. I think there is a direct correlation between pay and attendances, and negative attendances, that is, if they've switched to a pay TV channel. And that's for any sport. Anyway, yeah. mate, no, that's I appreciate like call. No, no, I appreciate your call, Mark. Um, and you know, I disagree with you. I think it's great to have as much sport covered on TV in some form as possible, to have everybody able to watch so much on Fox and KO. I think it's a dream for sport fans. You can tune in and watch 50 different sports if you want to. Um, if you had every game on free-to-air TV, would less people go because it's on free-to-air TV? So if the game was on free-to-air TV every time the Stars played, would people actually stay home and watch the Stars on free-to-air TV? Um, I do think the NBL needs to be uh, with more games on free-to-air TV. I do think the NBL, by only having two games on um, 10 um, peach on Sunday, if they could get a Thursday night game or a Friday night game on free-to-air TV, I think it would be great for the NBL. But you know, it's a supply and the demand issue for the free-to-air broadcasters. If they're not going to get the TV audiences, they're not going to put it on live. So, you know, that's the other essence. And all these sports that get funded at the moment by big TV deals get funded by a big TV deal 
involving a pay TV broadcaster. So would you be able to have as much women's sport if a pay TV broadcaster didn't come in and pay the big bucks for a sport involving men and women? Always love your company for Midday Madness. Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria, supporting businesses in residential, commercial and civil construction. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with... Athena, a couple of texts that have come through on the 40 Winks temper text. Keep them coming, 0433 98 11 16. Uh, if you're going to have a wild card round, just call it a final 10 because that's what it really is. Greg, I agree with you 100%. Don't run from what it really is and it would be a final 10. Or a final 9, which I believe 50% would be a good number, not 44% making the finals. Um, Jim Bob of Heathmont, a drawn-out BBL season creates complacency. People defer going to a game as they know another one isn't too far away. Before they know it, the season's over. Fewer matches will make people more inclined to attend, in theory. Anyway, thanks for your text, Jim Bob. Uh, Mark and the Limestone Coach, you there, Mark? Yeah, good day, mate. How are you going? Good. Good, that's good. Just a couple of quick... First point, just two points, really quick one. Do you think um, St Kilda will make the finals without having a decent football manager, without having a football manager. So that's point one. Uh, Well, I think the word was decent. If you can get someone really good in the job, I think it enhances what you're doing. Um, But it it depends on... I mean, great people make great clubs, Mark. So there's my bottom line. If you get great people in positions, you're going to be better. If you don't get great people in positions, you won't be. Well, they don't have a football manager. Yeah. So that's what I'm sort of saying is that when they haven't had the football manager since 2021, they haven't made finals. They've fallen just short. Mm. Now, they don't have a football manager in their 150th year, and they don't seem to be proactive. Um, now, point number two is, seems to be a subject of the day um, about uh, you know expanding it to a top 10, make the finals or whatever. There's an old saying that... And old sayings hang around because they're basically true. Cream rises to the top. Cream doesn't rise halfway up the glass. It rises to the top, right? And if you're going to expand it to half the half the competition goes through to the finals, you're basically rewarding mediocrity. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, and for me as a St Kilda supporter, we were we were tenth the last two years in a row. We would have made the finals under your system, but you know what? we didn't deserve to, right? That we weren't good enough. And uh, I don't think expanding it to 10 sides has anything to do with the integrity of the competition. It has everything to do with dollars. Uh, let's, let's be real about it. It has everything to do with money. Well, yeah, no, Mark, I, I think it's to do fights. with having more... T- no, no, well, I'll, I'll disagree with you then because I've got to go to the news. But the reason I disagree with you on that is not about dollars. It's about making more games more watchable late in the season. So that's the bottom line. Uh, For me, that's why I would have a 9 or a 10. More games become more watchable, less dead rubbers late in the season. Fans get involved with their team for more of their games. That was a fun opening hour. Been great to have so many calls and your texts coming through. Keep your texts coming through. 0433 98 11 16 is the text machine number for temper. T-E-M-P-U-R. Consumer's choice winner temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. A Raul in South Melbourne, uh, sorry, in the South Ballantyne has called on the BBL final before Jeremy Lowliger joins me, the NBL commissioner. Raul, thanks for holding. Yes, uh, that's South Perth, mate. So anyhow, that's all good. Hey, oh, uh, yeah, no, I'm just saying, uh, I would, 
when on uh, Saturday night. Uh, absolutely um, awesome atmosphere. As I say, I've been I've been to six AFL grand finals. I've been to World Cup games of, uh, in the rugby. I've been to Western derbies, and that atmosphere was just unbelievable. It was just off the Richter scale and uh, just saying that well, my, my, I'm married to an Irish lady and uh, took her to the cricket for the first first time and she's wrapped she's like this is this is the best this I'm, I'm, I'm this is you sold me this game's cool BBL this is where it's at she hated cricket before that now she's now she's all over it and uh, also uh, shout out to Colin Barnett and the foresight of making a stadium for us here over here in WA Great to have you call, Raul, and uh, the positivity, uh, I can get it down the, the telephone line. It's great to hear such positivity, and it has. A lot of people love the BBL because it's brought people, it's been clever, it's brought people to the sport that might not have watched Test Cricket or never watched Test Cricket, but all of a sudden they're cricket fans because they're BBL cricket fans, they're T20 cricket fans. Uh, keep your text coming through on that. So many people loved what they saw from the BBL final of the weekend and so many people loving what they saw from the NBL final round as well with the finals series to start this Thursday night. So 6.30, John Kane Arena, South East Melbourne and Perth. The Wildcats coming to Melbourne to face South East Melbourne Phoenix. And then 8.30, it's Cairns v Tasmania. So the winner of the Cairns v Tasmania game into a semi-final. The loser of the Cairns v Tasmania game plays the winner of that play-in game between South East Melbourne and Perth. Jeremy Lowling has been good enough to join me. Uh, the, uh, the NBL commissioner off the back of a spectacular regular season. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Great to have you back on. Thanks very much, Dwayne. It wasn't a bad way to end the regular season, was it? And, and for that matter, not a bad way to, uh, to sort of unveil the play-in concept, which we're obviously doing for the first time this year. It's been, uh, been perfectly, uh, perfectly timed and scripted. <laughs> so why did you change the system? You had a four for a 10-team comp. Why did you change your system to have a six, essentially? Yeah, to be honest, the huge amount of fan feedback was that the playoffs were just over too quickly. You had this amazing crescendo to a regular season. And I guess people comparing it to the NBA now, where you're used to having a number of different series of, of the best of seven, people were like, oh, it just feels like it ends too soon. So we, we contemplated how we could extend the duration of the playoffs. And the reality is that our cities are still of a population such that it's hard to go beyond a, a five-game grand final series or a three-game semi-final series. It may happen in future, but in the short term, instead of flooding those few markets with more games, we thought, why not extend the relevance of the playoffs into an additional two markets every year? Um, and, that, and that's where the, the idea came from. And uh, we were actually having those conversations and the NBA went ahead and tested the model for us with their play-in structure. Mm. And um, that sort of reaffirmed our view that this is probably a, a, a more sustainable way of, of extending the playoffs in the short term. So just been taking our calls and texts from people who say that the extended final series, if we had it in the AFL, rewards mediocrity. Teams that can't make it under the old system weren't good enough to make it. And it should be quality over quantity. So more games is actually worse, according to the text machine. Yeah, I'd certainly refute that in our case. If you look at the competitiveness of the competition, uh, it's, it's not a coincidence that the makeup of the playoffs hasn't been determined until the final game of the season 
seven years in a row. Uh, now, if you look at that, it says precisely the opposite. The, the, the teams that were missing out were right on the cusp. And um, we've seen that all through the season, the last few seasons, is that anybody can beat anybody. So anyone that tells me that we're rewarding mediocrity because Melbourne United uh, just missed out on the finals after winning 10 of their last 13 games, and they missed out on the playoffs with this extended format. Um, so happy to go toe-to-toe with anyone who suggests that, that might be the case. Well, there has been one text in support saying that Carlton would have won a game or two in last year's final series as opposed to not being competitive. So there are a few in support of that theory as well. Um, Jeremy, it's been such a successful competition. I know there's a lot of people already talking about expansion. Uh, what boxes need to be ticked to get an expansion team in your brilliant competition? Yeah, look, there's so many different consortia and markets who are putting their hand up for a licence at the moment that it's certainly not just tick a box anymore. It's not if you have A, B and C, it makes sense for us to give you a licence. You've now got to demonstrate that you meet that kind of as a, a baseline threshold, but then of the six or more parties who are expressing interest that you make the most sense of any of them um, from a sustainability point of view. But the baseline requirements are you've got to have the infrastructure. There's got to be a venue that's up to the standard that NBA, uh, NBL players, coaches and staff have come to expect, but more importantly, that NBL fans have come to expect. Um, it's got to be of a quality enough and size enough to meet the demand, which is going through the roof. Um, there's got to be local interest from fans, which we think, thankfully now in most parts of the country, is, is almost a given but there's got to be local interest from enough corporate supporters that we would be comfortable that the team is going to be financially viable in the long term. And more and more, uh, there has to be a, a, a local and state government who are supportive of the concept because all of those requirements around corporates and infrastructure, they're almost impossible to achieve without a strong partnership with a, either a local council or state government or both. So the size of the market as well, isn't it? I mean, you've got Western Sydney or Sydney, another team in Sydney is an option. You've got the Gold Coast, which, I mean, Gold Coast has its own difficulties given how many sports don't seem to work on the Gold Coast. Jeremy, I'm not sure what, yeah. what your thoughts are there. Um, you, you had Townsville in, but then they dropped out. You've got um, Newcastle. Geelong doesn't have a good enough arena. The arena's not, not good enough, probably. Yeah. Size is not of itself determinative, though, Dwayne, because if you, if you look at where we've been really successful of late, I mean, Tasmania is not the biggest market in the world, but um, there was a venue there that made sense. It, um, there's, uh, as I said, a strong partnership with government, which led to strong partnerships with uh, local corporate partners. Um, and that's the beauty of our sport, is that as long as you're sensible about the development of the infrastructure... You don't need 20,000 people to turn up to, to a game every week in order for it to, to be sustainable. So looking at some of those smaller regional markets is, is a real opportunity and point of differentiation for us compared to some of our other, um, I guess, our competition in other professional sporting codes. So never rule anything out just on the basis of size alone. Singapore? Yeah, Singapore's come up a little bit lately. Look, we've, we've tried that in the past, um, and the model or the concept is certainly something that we would look at again. I don't know that Singapore is um, the ideal destination, um, but looking around for international expansion is certainly something that, that we would consider because, look, it's a very global marketplace. 
it's a very global sport, um, and we've got a huge number of basketball fans right on our doorstep where we are. That um, it would be it would be naive not to look at it. And what about a second team in Perth? Is that a possibility down the track? No, I don't see why not. Um, I mean, the the introduction of Fremantle into the AFL was fantastic uh, in terms of the growth of the sport in that that part of the country and the numbers from Frio have been increasing every year. So um, I, I think it would be one to, to look at. Uh, I, again, it's not... No one location yet has absolutely come to the fore ahead of any of the others, but certainly there have been expressions of interest out of Western Australia um, for some point in the future. I think it would be a few years away at least before we could we could make it happen. But yeah, certainly worth worth a deeper look. You're looking at expanding the stadium in Hobart for the Jack Jumpers with some government money. How's that challenge going? Because it does look like uh, the place is bursting at the seams. <clears throat> yeah, we've sold out every game for two seasons now. I think memberships were sold out four or five months before either of their inaugural two seasons tipped off. Uh, and then anything that was left in the way of, of GA seating on a game-by-game basis was snapped up well in advance as well. So clearly there's an insatiable demand. Um, it'd be great if we could grow the size of the nest a little and uh, and meet the needs of a, a couple of thousand more basketball-hungry Tasmanians. Um, and will you get success there? I've had so many calls and texts from people saying, we should expand this thing we've got here where people are turning up before we plough money into the AFL idea of a new stadium in Hobart. Will you have success there? Will you get that expanded for next season or is that a long-term project? Oh, look, I think uh, whether or not we could get expanded for next season, I think just just as a matter of practicality, um, I'm, I'm not a builder by any stretch, but I think that would be a, mm. a stretch. But in terms of whether or not we could get the nod from, from government, we've got a fantastic relationship with Tasmanian state government. Um, as, as you rightly pointed out, it's a demonstrated success. Um, we've proven that we've got the capacity to turn around infrastructure redevelopments down there in a pretty short amount of time. Um, so, yeah, I'm reasonably confident because it's a, not a particularly expensive exercise to, um, as you say, meet the needs of, of a public who are already crying out for more tickets for those games. You've got a great relationship with ESPN, KO and, and Foxtel, obviously, to get every game broadcast, but you're also looking at a new deal where I presume, well, I know you want to enhance your free-to-air coverage beyond just two games on 10 Peach on a Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you're constantly looking at the mix of uh, free-to-air subscription TV and OTT TV um, because the market just changes so often and we've got such great partners in every one of those um, elements at the moment. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly reevaluating just what act- is actually happening and how we meet the needs of our fan base. We've got a, a pretty interesting 12 months ahead of us in that regard and so we're, we're doing a huge amount of analysis at the moment. Um, you're right. We'd love to see basketball being available to more people around the country more often. But what exactly that looks like when everyone is changing their offering so so rapidly? Uh, yeah, we're not entirely sure yet, but it's going to be an exciting ride, that's for sure. Which other free-to-air spot do you think you get the tune-in factor for a free-to-air carrier to believe it was a, a big win for them? Are you looking at you know a Friday night or a Thursday night or a... Would you go Saturday night? How would you? Where's your slot? Do you think you get the numbers? Oh, look, uh, Sunday afternoons are actually some of our best uh, uh, 
numbers in terms of both attendance and viewership. Because being such a family-friendly sport, I think, and Sunday afternoon not traditionally being a time slot that is um, impacted or interrupted by children's sport on a weekend, quite so much as Saturdays are, or Friday nights for that matter. So it's actually a really good time to be on free-to-air. Um, but uh, it's a, get, getting more games on free-to-air, though, in addition to the Sunday would be, would be interesting. Friday nights are difficult because so many kids around the country that are, play basketball at a really high level on a Friday night and their parents obviously get along to see them as well. So probably Saturdays is the, is the time slot that you look at, that Saturday evening game. MVP Awards tomorrow night, Jeremy. The Andrew Gaze Awards got to be a fantastic night for you. There has been a, a little bit of criticism about the voting being done before the final round. Is that something that, will you change that next year or are you happy with that? Yeah, it's always a challenge because we've got such a short amount of time between regular season and uh, and the playoffs, which is traditionally when we hold the MVP awards. Um, because a lot of the, particularly a lot of the American players who uh, don't make the playoffs, they tend to head home fairly quickly after their season's done, and we want them to be included in the proceedings as well. So um, it, it is very challenging if we were to keep that voting open any longer. Uh, just to make it all happen from a practical point of view. But, yes, it's something that we will look at because I, I think you're right. There has been some notable performances in this last round or two that um, that we would have liked people have been able to take into account in their voting. And were you disappointed with how Cairns handled the Pride Round initiative? Uh, I wouldn't say I was disappointed in terms of how Cairns handled it. The organisation were, uh, as a club, incredibly supportive of the round. Um, and at the same time, they were supportive of their players' choice. Now, we, we put it out to players as an invitation uh, to wear the Pride Round uniform, uh, and uh, a few of those players chose not to, and the other players on that list were concerned about them being singled out. Um, so I understand the rationale. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's the wonderful thing, right, is that we were inviting people to have their own opinion, express support if they chose to do so. Um, the Cairns Taipans certainly uh, showed their support for the initiative. They offered the training up to everyone in their organisation and even those who, who didn't necessarily choose to support the cause attended the training, asked the questions, got engaged in the dialogue with the club, with the Players Association, with ourselves, with each other and that's a large part of what this initiative was about. We're not going to change everyone's mind immediately. We're not seeking to impose our opinions on others. We are seeking to engage in conversation and, and um, invite people to think about these kinds of, of subjects more often uh, and achieve that objective. I'm just trying to think my way through it. If, if the club and players did get abuse and then decide not to wear the logo, how can that be deemed as support for the LGBTI plus community given they cop abuse and, the, um, that, yeah. The, 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 the club didn't make the decision not to wear the uniform. The players individually and, and then as a group decided not to wear that uniform. You'll see the, all of the coaching and support staff on, on the night were wearing um, their lapel badges in support of the cause. They put out public statements in support of the cause um, as an organisation, uh, but they also supported the players' individual choice to choose whether or not to wear the uniform. So let's say it was a, a bit of a split vote there up, at, up in Cairns. Um, but as I said, they in, in, even internally within that organisation, 
as an element of success if everyone's sitting down having the conversation. Organisation came out inside of support of the cause and the players came out um, deciding not to wear the uniform on that occasion, but are open-minded to what we do in the future, which, again, is part of the journey we're going on. You and Larry have had a very successful competition for quite a while now after taking it when it was on its knees, if not a little lower than that. What's been the main reason, do you think, that you've been so successful? Is it the family experience? Is it the, the fact that it's a really good bang for buck, kind of 10-minute quarter short experience? Is it the value add that you've got at your game? So it's not just about basketball. What's been the success for you? There's no single thing, Dwayne, but you put your finger on a number of them and how I would um, generalise all of that is we identified what we thought our points of competitive difference and competitive advantage were compared to others competing for the the time and attention of the consumer. And that is we're family friendly. Um, We're relatively short in terms of the commitment that we're asking people to make to tune in and watch a game or attend a game. Um, We were fulfilling a demand that was there because basketball was so popular uh, and, and seven years ago there wasn't necessarily a professional sporting league that was giving those fans the opportunity to get behind a local team and, and extend their love for the sport from participating to, to supporting. Um, and, uh, and the entertainment value, I think, is what makes a really significant difference. You spoke earlier about how T20 and BBL has really brought a new uh, following to the game of cricket who might not have tuned into test cricket. Well, in many ways, we see T20 as, as sort of the basketball format of cricket. It's short form. There's something happening all the time. Um, and it engages people at uh, all ends of the age spectrum uh, and is, is pretty appealing to anyone of, of any um, uh, ethnic background as well. So that's what we've done is we've straight, stayed true to our guns in terms of maximising what we see as our competitive advantage. And will you get an NBA team here to play for a game at some stage? Will you get the USA team back? What's the, the next on the sort of international side of the growth horizon? Yeah, that's that's the sixty-four million dollar question. Probably sixty-four million and then some. Um, if you're comparing to what some of the other countries are willing to pay to get those games here, uh, there. So, look, we're we're constantly trying, and we're reminding the NBA that we may not be the biggest market in the world, but certainly our fans here have been one of the most loyal fan bases anywhere in the world, and they we reckon that they deserve the opportunity to get along and see uh, an NBA game here in Australia, whether or not it's a an NBA team taking on another NBA team in a preseason game or indeed taking on an NBL team or an NBL all-star team, whatever it might be, um, we're willing to bend over backwards to make it help and certainly we'll keep flying the flag with NBA head office to see if we can make it happen. And would states have to vie for it to buy it? Oh, look, it's certainly not the kind of thing that uh, you could do independent of some uh, assistance from a uh, one or more state governments. The size of the um, check that would need to be written to get, not just not just from an appearance-free point of view, but just logistically, uh, having teams come out, their, their requirements in terms of insurance um, uh, would be very, very significant. So, yes, we would need some strong government partnership. Uh, and a venue like Docklands, maybe, like the USA played in, is that the, the prime spot to be able to get 50,000 in? Yeah, that's another very, very good question because, of course, that venue had its challenges as well in terms of um, mm. the fans feeling like they got a, a good 
uh, bang for buck experience. So you want to you want to make sure that you get the right balance of um, meeting the expectations of the consumer, as well as getting as many of those consumers on board and in, into a venue. One to make it uh, economically feasible, and two because there's going to be unprecedented demand for those tickets should it happen. Jeremy, great to have you on. Congratulations to you for another brilliant season as the NBL Commissioner. You've continued to grow this thing, and uh, it's been phenomenal. It's just great to sit back and watch it continually get better and better. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for your support, Brian. Jeremy Lowliger joining us. You can watch every NBL game live on ESPN via KO and Foxtel or via 10 Peach and 10 Play every Sunday from 2 to 6 p.m. And the NBL finals, if you like, uh, start this Thursday night, 6.30, John Kane Arena, South East Melbourne Phoenix and the Perth Wildcats, and then 8.30, Cairns and Tasmania, and both should be rippers. More Midday Madness all the way to 2 o'clock, so keep your calls coming, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. David in Richmond, thanks for holding. David, welcome to you. Oh, good, good. I'm still down at Tassie, actually. Um, anyway, uh, good on the NBL. Tassie Jack Jumpers have done great. Um, but when you're talking about an extra game for the AFL, are you talking about just eight and nine playing or nine and ten, them quickly playing the eighth team? Or who do you want incorporated in it? Well, I think that having 50% of your teams make the finals, I think, would be a better idea than having 44% of your teams make the finals, which is what we've got now. So if there was a final system for a nine then I'd be happy to explore it and have any mathematician come on and explain it to me. If there were more knockout games, I would like that as well. Uh, Would I be against a 10 in an 18-team comp? I'd be more than happy if we had a 10, to be honest. But uh, that's only because I believe come round 16, 17, 18, and I broadcast a lot of these games, so maybe it's self-interest. But there are more dead rubbers at the end of an AFL season than there certainly has been in the NBL or the BBL this season, the NBL with the top six for a 10-team comp and the, uh, and the BBL with the top five for an eight-team comp. So, you know, given that the BBL has 62% of teams make the finals, the NBL has 60% of teams make the finals, the AFL has 44%, I, I reckon a 50% who makes it, who doesn't, isn't a bad cutoff for mine if we were going to think about another way of doing it, David. I don't think that's logistically possible to get nine down to two in four weeks. So I'm not sure how you would actually do that. Yeah. I think a better idea would be having eight, not eight, uh, yeah, eight versus, so nine versus 10 in probably a Thursday night and then turn around quickly for the Monday night in that week break or the eighth versus the winner of that game. And then you go into the normal um, final series with the other seven teams. Yeah, David, I agree with you. A 10 would work, you know, logistically or mathematically, it does seem to be a lot better an option to make it work smoothly and have it to need less explanation to people. And I'm also of the thought that, I mean, a couple of here on the text, um, why not have the, the playing games or the 9v or 7, 8, 9, 10, those four teams play before the bye weekend. So those games are out of the way and you have a bye weekend. The hard part with all that kind of stuff logistically is you can't have teams having two weeks off. So if you have a rest for teams, then can you have a bye week given you don't want teams to have two weeks off, including the bye week. But, hey, great to have a chat to you. It's, a, it, it's an interesting one to me. There's a few texts saying that Carlton would not have won a game in the finals last year. So Carlton finished with 12 wins. I'm talking about having, you know, a better than 50% record to make the finals. And if Carlton wasn't the finals last year, if we had a nine, well, St Kilda finished 10th with an 11 and 11 record. Would Carlton have beaten anybody in last year's final series or not? They did lose their last four games. 
So those on the text that are telling me that, Carlton will one here. People have short memories. Carlton won four of their last 12 games. They would hardly have been a threat in the finals. Laugh out loud, J-Dog. Whereas I actually think Carlton might have done some damage in the finals. I think they were worthy of being in the finals last year. There was a big difference, I think, between Carlton and St Kilda, ninth and 10th. But was Carlton worthy? And would they have done some damage in the finals? I'm of the thought they would. Anyway, more of your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can send through your text as well. Would Carlton have done any damage last year? Or would they have just been making up the numbers? I'm not talking about winning the flag. A bit like the Heat nearly won the flag in the BBL this year. Um, but would they have been able to win at least a final? Um, I like the idea of having a top four teams getting the first weekend of finals off, where teams 5 to 12 have to play in round and knock out games. This would replace the pre-finals by each round thereafter is knockout. 1v8, 2v6. That's from Finn. So a few people have read it out. And there are a few coming through saying, oh, it's only going to be a money grab. It's a money grab this. and a mo-. That's another one for me that I don't like. Money grab, I think, is a sad conspiracy theory that is quite often peddled that isn't true. I mean, an extra round of footy this year with the Festival of Footy in Adelaide, there are some people saying, well, that's a money grab. So the AFL is giving us an extra round of footy. They're not getting any more from the broadcaster for it. They're just giving us, the fan, an extra round of footy. And people like to be sceptical about it and say, well, why is the AFL doing this? Is this a money grab? I just thought they were kind of giving us extra footy because we liked extra footy. Anyway, um, maybe I'm looking at the glass too half full. A couple of texts coming through. Uh, by the way, a previous caller, David from Richmond, you've got a bottle of Starwood Twofold Double Grain Australian Whiskey, thanks to Hairy Dog's Summer of Aussie Spirits, hairydog.com.au. Uh, the AFL made a heap of money selling that to South Australia's government. Dwayne, Matt in Albert Parky. Yeah, I know the AFL made money selling the Festival of Footy round to Adelaide, but isn't it good to, can't we just look at it as a win for us all, that we've got an extra round of footy, so we're getting 23 games a team rather than 22 games a team. Um, I would have to say Thursday night would be the best time for free-to-air game in the basketball. Rep coaches and kids don't usually coach or train that night. No big V local basketball that night. Thanks for that. Um, Dwayne, some people like the good old days where there were nothing but halcyon days, as the saying goes. A change is as good as a holiday. Um, without pioneers trying new ideas, we'd be still using the horse and cart. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, Dave in Epping, welcome to you, Dave. Thanks for holding. Yeah, Dwayne, how's it going? Dwayne. Fire away, Dave. What are we... Yep. Yeah. First of all, um, just to get this out of the way, um, I think Carlton would have got battered in the finals last year if they made it. They would have probably versed Richmond. Yep. Probably would have lost that as well. And second of all, um, just on the finals topic, now, I'm always on the agenda. Like, I don't mind change. I'm not uh, one of those heads that, you know, feel like oh, change is a bad thing. But... I'm also on the side that if it doesn't have to be fixed, then why change it? You know what I mean? If there's nothing wrong with it. So I yep. just want to know why you would want to change it. Like, what do you see wrong with it? I don't see anything wrong with it. I just see two better systems on the weekend. I saw the BBL system and I saw the NBL system. So I saw two better systems. So there's nothing wrong with it right now. But is there an upgrade to it? And we all like to upgrade stuff from one thing that was fine. I mean, you know, there's plenty of people driving cars around um, that think the car they've got is fine, and it is fine. But there are a lot of people who think, well, you know, I might be better off with, you know, emergency lane assist and automatic braking. And sometimes there are better things than the great thing that's been reliable for you 
um, that has been reliable for you for a long period of time is. So, you know, that's why I'm just suggesting that given how good the BBL was, how many teams could still make the finals in that final round, the same as the NBL, why wouldn't we explore it? Um, appreciate your call, Dave. Need to take a break. Nick, I'm coming to you next. Keep your text coming through as well. 0433981116. Please do still plenty coming your way. Um, quite a few saying Carlton would not have beaten anyone in the finals next year. Uh, one here, Geelong Supercats to build a new stadium within Kennedy Park and join the NBL. Joe and Hawtham, uh, Horsham. Uh, I think if Geelong gets anything, it'll be a big bash franchise. In fact, if they do anything big bash-wise in the next couple of years, I reckon it'll be luring the Renegades to town to play their home game. Throw out your calls and your texts for a little bit of late midday Madison news. Just in, by the way, Melbourne City has appointed uh, Rado Vitasic as its permanent head coach after he took over from Patrick Kisnorbo on an interim basis in November. So he's been appointed until the end of the 2024-2025 A-League season. So some A-League news there. Uh, a couple of texts that have come through. Uh, a wildcard system isn't the same as a final 10, as a wildcard games just sort out the final two places in the final eight, so seven, eight, nine, and ten, giving an extra chance to those nine to tenth teams. A final ten would require a full redesign of the system. Okay, and I like that idea. I mean, come up with a full redesign of the system, and I think we'll get a final ten where the nineteenth team comes in. It's a no-brainer that we do that, but will, will we get it before then? Um, well, if the NBL and BBL success has been watched by the AFL, they've got to be thinking about it. And another one here on... Um, me still driving a car, not a horse and cart. Um, this is from Richard in Warnable. After global warming takes hold and we have a climate apocalypse, I wonder if you will still have the glowing opinion of the car, Dwayno. Richard in Warnable. Uh, Richard, appreciate your text, but um, I'm not riding my horse into Melbourne for work in a hurry. Uh, I'll be sticking with the Werribee Kia. Um, Nick in Hoppers Crossing, welcome to you, Nick. Uh, hey, good going. Thanks for taking my call. How are you going? Good. Good, thanks. Uh, nice to hear you again. Yeah, I've got two points. Very, very, I'll try and be quick as I can. got a lot of calls. I'll go with the hardest one with the, with the football. If there is to be uh, 18, not 19 um, clubs competition, you split it up in two, or you can do it a number of ways. Um, you, if you have the nine in there, and you have the, the top team has a week's rest, but if you, if you split it up in the conference, you can have the top teams from, the, from both the conferences play off with each other. And then that one has another week's rest, and then the rest keep playing off. But eventually it might come, come, come about, but I'm not into it right this minute. I think it's a unique game, traditional, leave it as it is. But we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. That's, that, that's my bit of better footy. But the cricket, um, the BBL is going fine. The, the reason why the BBL and the NBL have changed, they had to change, because NBL was totally finished a few years ago, and so they had to change. But See, with the, with the football, they don't, need, they don't need to change anything at the moment because they're going good. And with the BBL, I'll, I'll change this. I'll get rid of... Um, I'm, I'm probably going to be hated for this, but I'll get rid of uh, Melbourne Stars and Thunder because they're not doing anything. And with the last caller that talked about the Shield Cricket, maybe change the names around Warriors and all that. That could, that could, that could help him out in that, that, that sense of... In, in a way. And then um, get a Canberra team in there. And then make it a four-side four, four um, finals or keep it at a five, or whatever you like. You can do it that way, and, and then wouldn't, you wouldn't lose it. And then also have the Shield Cricket back in play also and reduce the DBL, and that's where you can um, make an um, advantage that way as well. I Appreciate think. your call, Nick. There's about six or seven radical ideas 
in there. I mean, all of it, in theory, sounds great, but uh, I think the Stars are a great team to have in the competition, to be honest. I wouldn't be dumping the Stars out of the BBL myself. Uh, it sounds good to have Canberra as a new BBL franchise, but it does have to be financially sustainable, and that's the, that's the issue we're faced with all expansion teams. I mean, uh, you know, someone has to write the cheque uh, in the end, and uh, the broadcasters are the ones that pretty much write the cheques right now to keep these competitions um, vibrant. And we were talking about it with Jeremy Lowlegger. I mean, expansion has a number of things in play, including the venue. Canberra does have great venues, but um, I'm not sure that they'll be getting the next BBL franchise, I don't think. I appreciate your call, Nick. Thanks to come on the program, including one of the Scorchers heroes, Nick Hobson, to join us next hour. Brett in Tyab, you want to talk Carlton? Welcome to you, Brett. Yeah, I'm a Richmond supporter. I just think these, these Carlton supporters have just got to get over it. They didn't make the finals, so they won't be playing Richmond. And if they did, they probably would have got flogged. Just get over it, Carlton supporters. You didn't make the finals and deal with it. Stop <laughs> going what is. Uh, They're just fair you can what's wrong with them. Well, Brad, it wasn't off the back of a Carlton supporter ringing up and saying that they would have been able to do some damage in the finals. It was the thought that uh, even though the Brisbane Heat finished fifth, uh, if there was a final four system, they wouldn't have made it, and yet they were able to do some damage in the finals and win their way all the way through to the final where they nearly actually won it. So that's the essence of this discussion. It's off the back of that and the NBL, Jeremy Lowliger coming on the program, the NBL commissioner explaining that the NBL has the same closeness and those teams that other people say if they made the finals, it's rewarding mediocrity. He thinks it's the opposite. It's rewarding those that actually have had pretty good seasons, that have better than a 50-50 record, and have had such good seasons, they deserve the opportunity to play in finals. So I was asking, which side of that coin does Carlton sit on? But I appreciate your call, Brett. Keep your calls coming. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number if you'd like to join me. That's the open line brought to us by Werribee Kia, by the way. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy, and you can drop down and see Janan and Aid and Jim and the whole team at Werribee Kia, they would love to see you. Uh, and keep your text coming through on the 40 Winks temper text as well. 0433 98 11 16. 40 Winks and temper, T-E-M-P-U-R. Consumer's choice winner temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. The other big news we haven't got to today is Josh Hazelwood is not likely. In fact, it's almost uh, 100% certain he won't play in the first test for Australia against India. So no Cam Green. Uh, Bowling Cummins-Morris, is that our bowling lineup? Could we have that as our bowling lineup? Could we go with the three quicks, Bowling, Cummins and Morris? Lion plays, so there's the fourth. And do we go with Labuschagne or Head? Or is it Swepson or Agar or Murphy? Um, if you've got a thought on that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The other side of the cricket argument at the moment is that um, we heard Dominic Perrottet, the New South Wales Premier, say last Friday, and we discussed this late in the show, that a five-day washed-out test in Sydney is much better than a five-day test in Adelaide because at the end of it, you spent five days in Adelaide. They were fighting words. I would be interested to know, what is the better venue? Is it the SCG or Adelaide Oval? Especially from the non-biased, maybe, that come from other states like WA and Victoria. What's the better venue? Is it the SCG or the Adelaide Oval? Are we going to spend a week or five days in Sydney or Adelaide for five days of test cricket, which of the two old, beautiful venues 
that have been refurbished is better. Which pitch is better? Which city's better, if you like, as well, to spend five days in? Would it be? And if you're going to send, if you're going to take your family somewhere this coming year for a sporting event, whether it be AFL to watch your team, where will you go? Because Sydney has got a lot to offer. Adelaide's got a lot to offer. I'm not sure Adelaide's as bad as Dominic Perrottet has led us to believe, but they're fighting words. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number if you'd like to join us on that and keep your text coming as well. We'll take a few of your calls on it. We've got some cricket coming up after the break because Nick Hobson is going to join us, part of the Perth Scorchers uh, win, and what a spectacular win it was. Plenty to come later on the program as well, including some AFL. I mentioned David King's going to be on the program. He won't be on the program. He's probably going to join us tomorrow. Trent Cotchin, is he going to play forward for Richmond? They trained today. Kingy was there. Jack Rewalt said this about Trent Cotchin on seven years. Yeah, Trent Coleman. Uh, no, he's been he's been playing forward a little bit. For a player like him to to add another string to his bow and play forward um, is important for us. I don't know what, what sort of nickname we'll have this year, but Trent Coleman's got a bit of a ring to it. Now, a few of the boys are ribbing him about it, but he might have kicked three or four in a you know, pracky game the other day. A little bit of Jack Rewalt. Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria, supporting businesses in residential, commercial and civil construction. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. Back to your calls, back to your texts. Plenty still to come. Comes in. Bowls. Conley hits it hard and high in the air. That's a mighty blow. That's six. Oh, where'd that come from? Cooper Conley. Nessa to Hobson. Full toss. He's hit it hard. He's hit it high. And he's hit it for six. And that could be the game. So three runs four balls, Nessa bowls to Hobson, full toss again, and that's the game, the Scorchers have won their fifth BBL title, Hobson and Conley throw their bats away, and they're greeted by their teammates who have just done a beeline for the two young bucks who have saved the Perth Scorchers, who would have thought from where they were at three for 54, and the run out of Ashton Turner in controversial circumstances with Nick Hobson, who would have been down on himself that Nick Hobson, in the end, became the hero with Cooper Conley to steer the Perth Scorchers to their fifth BBL title in what was a classic decider. As it was called by Peter Vahos on SEN. Great heavy company, by the way, for Dwayne Till. One of those heroes, Nick Hobson, after the Perth Scorchers' brilliant win, has been good enough to join me before we head back to your calls and your text. Nick, uh, welcome to the program. Great to have you on, and congratulations. Thanks a lot, Dwayne. Thanks for having me on. It was um, nice um those highlights there. Yeah, how did you... Well, what have you been doing for the last 24 hours? Uh, yeah. Boys have had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we've just got a great group of guys um, celebrating and um, we've got a... The Wacker put a lunch on for us shortly as well, so we're heading there. And Yeah, it's just been a terrific 48 hours to celebrate with the, the people that matter, really. So you know WA, you're a Perth boy. What makes a successful franchise? Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, we've had a model that's worked for a number of years, a lot before um, I was involved, but a lot of um, local guys, and we seem to fill in the gap with um, some really um, quality um, overseas guys. So, um, yeah, great group of guys, great captain, great coach, brilliant organisation. So, um, yeah, I'm a very lucky guy. So, but every other franchise or club or team does that, call it what you like, uh, you know, a couple of locals and a few guys from overseas. You just seem to be doing it very well with the right chemistry 
and it, the mix is perfect. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, we've got we're very fortunate. Our local guys are still um, a lot of them represent the country, so they're incredibly good players um, themselves. Um, and then I think we're just in a, a lucky patch as well at the moment, where we've got some guys, some up and comers like Aaron Hardy and and Josh Inglis, who are probably fringe of, of national selection, who are um, playing some really really good cricket for us. So um, yeah, it's a great balance, great um, mix of ages and and international. So yeah, it's fantastic. So you made eighteen off seven, a strike rate of two fifty seven. But there was this kid down the other end that did some <laughs> brilliant work as well, twenty five. Off eleven, Cooper Connolly. Did you did you know he had it in him? Oh, phenomenal! Um, uh, yeah, I did. But putting that together on on the big stage is another thing. Um, I'm so happy for him. He's a he's a great kid. Just plays fearless cricket. Um, yeah, he's 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 amazing head and his shoulders and a really clean striker with the ball as everyone got to see the other night. So um, yeah, hopefully it's just a start for him. He's got a massive career ahead of him, and um, yeah, put his name in lights the other night. That's for sure. Did you think you were in trouble when you came? Well, I suppose when you, should I say, run your, run your captain out uh, and when Cooper came to the crease as well? Uh, yes. <laughs> in short, <laughs> I thought when I ran him out, I thought I ran the trophy out as well. So, um, yeah, to be honest, it was uh, not the best. But, look, to be fair, even when I ran him out, the captain was like, mate, you got this, um, take it home, you and Cooper will be right. Um, he's such a level bloke, um, amazing. And then I think Cooper calmed me down when he hit his second ball straight out of the screws for six so um, we just kind of fed off each other's energy and um, yeah it's just one of those things that it all clicked and we're on the lucky end of it it was it was fantastic so tell every other sports person how out there how do you do that you make a blue like you made but like a goldfish you kind of swim around the bowl and just forget about it how do you do it um well I think the game uh, you know cricket it moves on very quickly in a game, so it happened. Then all of a sudden, you just focus your attention onto onto what you got to do. Um, you can't dwell on it too much because the game moves so quick, particularly in that scenario. Um, it literally moved to as simple as the fact that we had to try and hit everything for six and um, really get the game going forward. So um, once you start thinking about the game, the um, the run out disappeared out of my mind momentarily until I've <laughs> been reminded a few times after the game. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> What's Cooper Connolly like? Normally, when we don't, when the cameras aren't on him, the pressure is he actually a an extroverted kind of boisterous, confident kid, or because he didn't look confident sitting on the bench waiting to come in? Yeah, he's a he's, he's a level head, um, nice young lad. Um, got a big smile on his face all the time. Gets on really well with our guys. Um, yeah, he's a really popular member of our squad. I know he's got a lot of mates. Um, Down to earth bloke who. You know, drives a four-wheel drive and likes to go surfing and stuff like that. So he's um, he's a pretty easygoing, relaxed kid, and um, yeah, he's a popular man in Perth. That's for sure at the moment. Fifty-three thousand eight hundred eighty-six. There, fourth biggest BBL crowd in the twelve seasons. What was the crowd worth to you? Oh yeah, it was definitely the twelfth man. They were so loud. Um, it's been quite hard to put into words. Um, I'm a big um, West Coast Eagles fan. I went to a game there in 2018 where um, we beat. Collingwood in a qualifying final. Um, Lewis Jetta kicked a goal, and I, I thought that was the loudest I'd heard the stadium until <laughs> until the other night. Um, yeah, when I hit that six in the last over, it literally felt like the place was shaking. So um, the support in Perth for, for the big bash and the Perth scorches um, is absolutely incredible and made all the difference, I think, in the end the other night. So the moment of hitting those winning runs for yourself? Oh, yeah, it was so satisfying. Um, yeah, it... it um, 
oh, it's hard to put into words. You can't even feel anything. You're just re- reacting on pure emotion. Um, and to see the joy in, in your, your teammates and then your family and friends afterwards. Um, yeah, it was a phenomenal night. Um, I'm not going to lie, I've gone back and watched the replay a few times. And, um, to see the ball sailing towards the fence and every single person in the crowd on their feet screaming. Um, yeah, it's something I'm never going to forget, that's for sure. Are you a sports nut? You said you watch the West Coast Eagles. Do you Have you watched the BBL this season with other teams and sort of got your head into how successful the season it is and why it's been so successful this year? Yeah, I've I, I watched a fair bit of cricket. Um, yeah, I like my footy as well. But, yeah, there's a lot of big bash. It's actually um, interesting when you play and you've got travel and and preparation and, and stuff like that. You actually probably watch slightly less than, <laughs> um, if you're not in the tournament and just sitting at home uh, watching over dinner each night. So, um, yeah, it's probably a little bit of a balance because, you don't want to cook yourself watching cricket every single day and then, and then play as well. But, um, yeah, we've come up against the Heat twice before that. So guys were pretty well researched on on their bowlers and, and played them all before. So um, there's kind of no hiding in this comp. Everyone knows everyone. Um, yeah, and everyone knows Cooper after the other night, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand there's a few Cooper lookalikes among your squad right now, is there? Oh, there's some horrible haircuts. Yeah, you should see them. Um, when the peroxide was coming out Saturday night, I... I very clear of that. So, um, yeah, AJ Ty has gone blonde and Steve Eskenard has got this horrible um, mohawk thing. So, um, yeah, maybe they're trying to jump on the back of Koof by going blonde, but it hasn't worked for those two, that's for sure. And what's next for you? Uh, where do you go from here, given how superb a season and finish of the season you've had? What's next on your agenda? Um, well, not too much. I'm not state contracted, so... Um, I actually work part time in an accounting firm, so I head back next week. Um, <laughs> so that, that that that's reality um, outside of cricket, and then uh, we'll see. Maybe potentially something for WA later in the season, um, and if not, we've actually got another club grand final next Saturday, a fifty-over game. Um, me and Stevie Eskenazi are in the in the same club team, so we've got that to look forward to. But um, yeah, just a bit of club cricket and um, back to reality, really, and hopefully maybe some cricket coming up in the future. We'll wait and see. It's like a Superman comic. You hit the winning runs in front of. 54,000 people, and now you've got to go back to an office as an accountant. <laughs> yeah, we'll make some good water cooler charts for sure on um, the first few days. Back. But, um, yeah, it's uh, I'm probably in a very unique basket. I think I'm the only one on myself and Pete Hatzler who don't have a, have a state deal. So um, big big bash is my cricket time, and, um, and there's 10 months in between the next season, so you've got to do something else. <laughs> yeah. Are you happy with the choices you've made there, or did the, did the choice get made for you? that that was where you were going to refine your act and be a, a T20 specialist? Um, look, I, like everyone, I've tried to um, play all three formats, but just the strength of the WA squad, um, it's really hard to break in. And uh, if you guys got over east to play other franchises, then my opportunities come in T20 cricket. So that's kind of the way I've prepared and um, gone about my cricket, particularly in the last kind of 12 months. Um, yeah, and there's so much of it going around the world now that I think everyone wants... Um, to play as much cricket as they can because it's um yeah it's really enjoyable playing the T20 format so wait and see. And one last quick one, Michael Nisic, Australia. Well, we could have rushed him. To, I'm not sure he'd get a visa in time, but um, how would he go in India if he was there? Oh, he's he's quality. He's got an um, amazing first class record and probably stiff to be in a generation where there's so many good quicks that he, or else he would play um, more Test cricket. So um, yeah, I'm sure he might get. Well, maybe he has got the call if I haven't seen the news, but um, yeah. 
yeah, he'd do very well, I think, if he went over there. Great to have you, and congratulations again, Nick. Uh, good luck for club cricket, and good luck uh, getting the adrenaline rush um, in the office this week. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Wayne. Cheers. Nick Hobson joining us, Perth Scorchers match winner and one of the heroes of what was an epic final and a great season by the Perth Scorchers again. Yeah, should Australia rush Michael Nisa to India um, if they can get a visa in time? I'm not sure if, if he's got one or how long it would take to get one. But Josh Hazelwood not going to play in the first test given the Achilles issue. No Cam Green. Do we go with Boland Cummins on Morris. Uh, your thoughts on all of that? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. And speaking of news, AFL.com.au reporting that Tom Lynch will return to full training in the next fortnight and will play some minutes in Richmond's match simulation against North Melbourne on February 24th. So a little bit of Richmond news to add to that. Um, not sure about the first test. Um, it's still a few days away, but it's sneaking up pretty quickly. So um, the second one's obviously straight after as well. So um, yeah, we'll we'll play it by ear over the next week and. Um, well, next few days and hopefully Tuesday goes well. It's been frustrating. Um, Achilles is sort of a, it's a hard one to, being a tenant, it's sort of, you know, a couple of steps forward, one step back occasionally, which is sort of how it goes, you know, for everyone when they've got this type of injury. But, um, yeah, it feels like it's heading the right direction. So um, the last few days have been really good, got some good work into it. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a run around on Tuesday. Oh, it's still lingering from the test match probably. Um, There's sort of... Uh, we obviously bowled after a lot of rain as well and the, the jump-ups were quite soft where we are taken off from and they ended up replacing them as well and it sort of worked to a degree but you know just that extra you know load jumping out of a soft ground um, to bowl and again first test match back it's sort of you know your, your body's not quite used to that sort of workload as well so yeah it'd be frustrating playing one test at a time um, it always it always feels the hardest test to play the first one and then they sort of get easier as they go and then you get on the other side at the end of the series and it gets hard again. So um, hopefully string a couple together on this tour. That was Josh Hazelwood. So he's got an Achilles injury. It's uh, remaining as uh, uh, an injury from the test of the SCG. Just another drive by whack to the SCG curators who, well, for some reason, they couldn't cover the run-ups correctly. So uh, get yourself some, well, maybe Dominic Perrottet needs to write the cheque to get him a better set of covers or at least a larger set of covers because they didn't cover the run-ups well enough to the point that uh, we lost overs because the run-ups weren't covered. Maybe they need to have a system where you can cover more of the ground. But, uh, yeah, Josh Hazelwood, unlikely to play in the first test the way it stands right now. Should they make the phone call to Michael Nisa and get him over there to India straight away. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number. Still got a voucher for a round of golf for you and a mate at the magnificent St Andrews Beach Golf Course to give away. It's valid at $210, so jump on the line and we'll give that away before Anton De Pasquale, Shell V-Power Racing Supercars driver, is going to join me a little bit later on this hour. But your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Quite a few texts coming through as well on the... Perrottet uh, um, whack of Adelaide and spending five days in Adelaide. Um, one here, on, or keep on the text. So let me read a heap out on that uh, 40 Wings temper text, 0433981116. Adelaide Oval is not only the best ground in Australia, it's one of the best places in the world to watch sports. So there's a big rap for Adelaide. Wouldn't go to Sydney for anything, even if you paid for a pipe. Adelaide is a great place to visit. Uh, Yarra Valley Rod, thanks for that text, Yarra Valley Rod. I'm not sure you've sent me one before. Dwayne, Nisa can bat and should have been on the plane to India as a second all-rounder. He's a better bat than Stark, Cummins, Lyon and Hazelwood. Uh, another here, Adelaide is a boring place. 
Sydney picturesque and more to do, but Adelaide Oval is better. There from Stephen, just when I thought he was going to vote in favour of Sydney being the spot. Ah, uh, Adelaide, so much more than half an hour behind. Cheers, um, Block in Ringwood. Thanks for your text. Adelaide by mile. Only good thing about Sydney is the sign and the way saying see you next time. Uh, Shane from North Haven. Afternoon, Dwayne. How about some love for the Adelaide Giants winning the Claxton Shield yesterday for the first time in 43 years, knocking off the Perth Heat two games to one. So well done. A little bit of baseball news. Thanks for that. Adelaide Oval is a class venue. SCG is a dump. Perfect for the Swans. Matt in Mornington. Uh, keep your text coming through. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 They were sponsored covers, Dwayne. Didn't even have to pay for them. Well, maybe they should have used the money to buy some bigger ones. Shane in Roeville, welcome to you, Shane. Thanks for jumping on the line. No worries, Dwayne. Thanks for taking the call. I um, just want to talk about the WNBL this year. I've just been captivated with it. I think the standard of it is just... Well, it's always been really good, but with Lauren Jackson and the Opal girls playing, it's just been brilliant. Um, it was so good to see, obviously, the uh, um, the highest crowd ever for a WNBL game on the weekend. And I just sort of think, as a as a community, it was just so good to celebrate that. Um, I just still think there's some steps to go. Even on um, yesterday, I was driving home, and they uh, on this station and another station, they were saying, "Yep, yeah, Melbourne United is just about to play basketball." At the same time, the Melbourne Boomers were playing Bendigo, second v third on the ladder. Um, and I wasn't able to hear the score. I just sort of think there's there's ways to go, I know. Steps in the right direction. I just think just a little thing like that of, hey, at the moment these girls are playing and we're locked in battle at whatever, just just that, that needs to happen, I reckon. Now, fair call, Shane. Sometimes it's about the marketing and uh, sending through of results and making sure a few things are available uh, for those broadcasters to be aware of it. So there's a bit of that. Um, should the WNBL um, be moved under... The NBL's banner, should Larry Kessman and Jerry Lolliger be the ones in control of the WNBL uh, as opposed to Basketball Australia? But there's also the acid on reporters like me and broadcasters like me to make sure that we do give coverage to those women's sports out there who um, aren't necessarily putting the emails in your inbox and letting you know they're on, but we know they're on. We did give it coverage last week, which was great. Um, so it is good to have, I think we had Sarah Blitzales on the program last week. But great to have your call, Shane. And for doing that, giving it a bit of love, hold the line. We're going to send you and a mate to the magnificent St Andrews Beach Golf Course, a prize valued at $210. Great to have St Andrews Beach Golf Course on board for Dwayne's World in 2023. Brett in Mentone, you there, Brett? I am, Dwayne. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. That's the way, mate. I was wondering if you watched any of the golf on the weekend at, at uh, Pebble Beach. <laughs> I didn't, but I went to Pebble Beach a few years ago, and it is one of the great courses of the world, I've got to say, so maybe I should have tuned in. I got sucked into watching more of Bathurst, the 12-hour yesterday, than I should have. Um, I just got, I, I get mesmerised by car racing, to be honest. Sometimes I can't yeah. take my eyes off it, so. Fair enough. No, it's just, I saw a group that Jordan Spieth was in on, on 168 metre part three, and there were three players in each group, and every single player in Jordan Speed's group hit driver. Wow, so the, the wind was blowing off the, the sea, was it? Yeah, the wind was that strong. They all had to hit driver off the tee just to get to the green. Yeah, well, a lot of those trees are on a lean uh, because they only ever get blown. Uh, beautiful trees, by the way, at Pearl Beach. But I appreciate your call. Uh, give us a call more often, Brett. Really appreciate you jumping on the line. Um, we need to take a break shortly. Al in Airport West is on the line as well. Welcome to you, Al. Hey, Dwayne. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. 
Yeah, look, a couple of things. MBL um, went to Melbourne United game yesterday. Unfortunately, that uh, you know first got the job done, and you know well, that's what happens when uh, you start the season so poorly. But you know they just put on entertainment better than any other uh, sporting code, I believe, in, in Australia. Uh, the atmosphere yesterday for kids, families, it was it was just amazing. Um, so it was kudos to. You know, the uh, powers of the NBL and um, the Basketball Australia and the way they, they run the competition, um, I think they're doing uh, great things. And also, with regards to the uh, Sydney SEG versus Adelaide Oval debate, um, unfortunately, I've been to Adelaide twice and, uh, you know, two losses. The last one was uh, Richmond versus Port Adelaide in the first uh, final, which I kind of want to scrub from my memory. Been to Sydney a few times for a few wins, but um, I'd take Adelaide any day. Uh, I think the atmosphere there is better, the stadium's better. Um, yeah, uh, so for me, Adelaide Oval any day. Great to have your call, Al. Really appreciate you jumping on the line. Um, look, I'm with you on the NBL. It is. I go there with my family. Um, people probably think on this program um, and the programs I've done previously, because I had been broadcasting the NBL for about seven years. So I'll, yeah, I'm employed to tell everyone that it's great, but, you know, I've been this year when I'm not involved, I'm not involved in any broadcasting of the NBL this year, but uh, I can well and truly tell you, if you haven't been to an NBL game to see what the atmosphere is like, it is phenomenal, even if you're sitting, you know, 20 rows back, you still feel like you can reach out and touch them, so they do do a brilliant job. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's Well, we'll head back to your calls very shortly on 1300 736 736, the open line number, and I'll read out a heap of your texts as well, that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. And if you haven't checked out the Kia range at Werribee Kia, we've got a heap of new and used car stocks. So head down there and tell them we sent you. Speaking of cars, Shell V-Power Racing has today unveiled its brand new car for the 2023 supercar season. Anton Di Pasquale has been good enough to join me from the Shell V-Power Racing team. Welcome to you, Anton. Great to have you on the show, by the way. Thanks, mate. Thanks for the chat. Pretty exciting for me to talk to you, uh, even though it's off the back of a day where you didn't get much action, unfortunately. I sat back and watched the Bathurst uh, 12-hour yesterday and kind of was amazed at all that racing, all that time, and we come down to the final uh, lap and you got three cars within 15 seconds of each other. Uh, Yes, definitely. uh, It's a long race. So when you can keep so many cars in contention, it's pretty cool. Unfortunately... For us and uh, our team, we were not not there past the second or third hour mark. So um, got to watch the, the rest of the race at the airport, getting the early flight home, which is never where you want to be. What's it like, the comparison between the Porsche 911 and the the um, supercar Mustang GP? Um, yeah, very different. The cars um, make their, their group and everything in a completely different way, and the style of racing is a little bit different. Um, you know, the, the core origins of a supercar, it's loud, it's V8, um, ha- hasn't got much grip or much downforce, where um, obviously European-style GT racing, a lot of electronics, heaps of downforce, um, and not as quite much power as what we've got in supercars. So it's very different. Um, so looking forward to getting into the supercar sometime this week and getting back, back into that. So how much does it take getting used to the, the Mustang GT from Ford that you're driving this year as compared to what you have driven in the past and recently? Um, not sure. Good question. Um, 
hopefully not too long. I think we'll, <laughs> as as the year goes on, we'll um, we'll see some people adapt and teams will adapt quicker than others. So um, we're doing everything we can um, in the workshop for now and then into testing to be that team who's on top of it as quick as possible, which I'm sure everyone wants to be that team. But um, yeah, you sort of the first time you go testing and change tracks and things like that, you'll you'll feel the differences. Um, but in the day, it's a it's a sort of heavy low downforce supercar, so it won't be too far different, I think. Pretty tricky track first up in Newcastle as well for race one. Yeah, Newcastle. Um, for everyone that's watched it, uh, it's a crazy track. It's very tight street track. Um, so for us, in something we're comfortable with is extremely hard, extremely hot. So to go there, it's something that we're not too sure what's going to happen with tyre life and even physically um, how we're all going to cope in the car with a different temperature probably in the cockpit as well as different seating positions and all these things which can play a toll on your body. So um, that's going to be really interesting to play out through Saturday and Sunday. So um, a lot of preparation in making sure we get the temperatures in the cabins and everything to a comfortable position. But I'm sure... Come Saturday night at Newcastle, we're going to be pretty sore and then we're going to have to wake up, work it out and do it again, which is going to be cool. And then you're coming to Melbourne after that for part of the F1 weekend, which must be a nice little uh, show to be part of. Yeah, F1 in Melbourne's awesome. Um, always always went to it as a kid and things like that. So to um, be part of that, it's our only race for the year where we're not the main card. So it's a bit different for us, but... Um, it's just awesome being part of the F1. Obviously, we love our motorsports, so we get to watch that. Um, very different format, so we get stuck in and do four races. It's, it's pretty cool. So you like that? I mean, it's a different format, as you mentioned. The qualification and the racing is a lot different, so it's a bit of a, it's almost like a T20 kind of format for you guys. Yeah, that's probably a good comparison. Um, it's short and sharp, very short and sharp, because obviously F1's the main show and they've got the schedule, so... Um, very short and sharp. You kind of there's no delays that you can get around and things like that. So you got to be onto it. But um, yeah, our format throughout the year changes a fair bit. So you get a good good bit of sprint racing and a couple longer races in there as well, which are really cool. So as long as we're mixing it up, it's um, it's always exciting. Can't wait to see you in action, Anton. Really appreciate you jumping on the line and uh, and uh, appreciate you jumping on the line after the big launch today. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers. Anton Dipperquale joining us. Shell V Power Racing today unveiling its brand new car for the 2023 supercar season. Take a break. 1-300-736-736. Quite a few texts are coming through. We'll head back to your calls and texts after the break. Uh, Adelaide's better than Sydney. Also in Sri Lanka, they cover the whole field and have a great way of putting the covers on and off. Well, some venues worldwide um, have advanced to the point that covers are not laid on the ground. They're actually off the ground by, you know, a couple of feet to allow the air to get through as well. So um, maybe we should come into the new century and get covers like that here too. Gary in Avondale Heights, you've been holding for a while. Welcome, Gary. Gary, Dwayne, how are you? Good. Nice to hear your voice again. Nice to be on. First time with you. Uh, um, I know you're a bit of a petrol head as well as me. I'm into the GP. Can't wait for that to start back up. But I know you're talking about the um, 12-hour race and seeing that um, the Red Bull Formula One. And um, I think it would be, I don't know, a good idea on your thoughts of a um, an actual Formula One race at Mount Panorama. I think it would be a good um, spectacle. 
Yeah, as a thought. Um, it was nice to see the, I mean, the Mercedes AMG and the Porsche 911 yesterday and the Lamborghinis driving around Bathurst. Would they have to slow the circuit down, though, wouldn't they, Gary? I mean, it's too fast a circuit. You'd have to have to put more chicanes and turns and um, they have to slow them down yeah. somehow because they could get to too high speeds and I'm not sure the safety parameters on that track are good enough. Yeah, um, yeah, I was trying to find a bit about myself. You know, um, come down um, uh, the straight, the two straight after you're coming off turn one, straight back up, and then the the back end um, might be a bit of an issue. But it, yeah. gee, it looks good to see a um, a uh, Formula One Red Bull on that track. I mean, it's a brilliant track, but I was just thinking, gee, it'd be good to see an actual points race there. Yeah, look, it's a beautiful track, and it's one of the great circuits of the world, um, Gary, and those circuits that are long, um, you know, and I'm part of the countryside, I'm actually lucky enough, I've already booked to drive the Nürburgring later this year, so I can't wait to do that, my son and I. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a petrol head, though, so, I mean, I've been, you know, I could talk cars with you for hours, to be honest, I've wasted, well, people say I've wasted, I've probably had 20 or 30 cars in my life, and... I don't think it's a waste. I think it's been an investment in my joy of driving. Brett Fells has been good enough to join me, SEN tennis commentator and host of The First Serve, 8pm tonight on SEN, The First Serve. Now, two hours every Monday. So a double dose of the great man, Brett Phillips. Talking to you, Brett. Great to have you on. Uh, thank you, Dwayne. Nice to be here. And it's exciting that you've got a couple of hours. And uh, what are we going to talk about tonight? Because there are so many different offshoots from the Australian Open. I'm interested to know which way you're going to take it. Well, we're going to, we're going to certainly have a, a young man on tonight who I think is only heading in one direction, and that is north in the rankings, uh, who had obviously a, a beautiful moment along with Jason Kubler to win the doubles. Unexpectedly, uh, Dwayne is a wild card pairing. I speak of Rinky Hitchikata, the 21-year-old from New South Wales. So just think about this. He has the euphoria of winning the men's doubles. Um, you know, still in disbelief 24 hours later. Then someone says, well, you've got to pack your bags. You're on the, the Rex uh, down to Burnie. Uh, nice and windy down there. The propellers are going pretty quickly. And you've got to play the ATP Challenger as the number two seed. And this is what Rinky's got to do because the singles is his focus. He plays a great week. He wins the tournament. He's now 119 in the world. So he's on the cusp of the top 100. And I think he's got the game that can actually really go forward uh, and maybe push towards the top 50. The challenge will be now to go and travel. Uh, all the Aussies will be heading to the US, parts of Europe, uh, Asia. So Rinky uh, and Storm Hunter will both be on the show tonight. Storm won the ITF event down there. Beautiful club, I've got to say. Not far away from the famous uh, Bernie football ground, which has mm. produced a few good footballers across the journey. So you'll hear from both of those. And... Uh, you know, the grind starts for the Aussies post the Aussie summer, trying to take that atmosphere and that vibe on the road and, and produce their best results. How's that little difficulty going with the Davis Cup and personal achievements and points gathering for those that are in that sort of realm for their country? With Davis Cup in particular, yeah. Well, yeah, Davis um, Cup, plus, plus obviously you need to get the points. So the commitment to some, to the Davis Cup in some countries is a lot bigger than others, and the Davis Cup has lost a little bit of its yeah. gloss. Well, I would say, though, that uh, the atmosphere on the weekend was simply astonishing. So this, this week is actually the perfect week to host uh, Davis Cup tennis. Just before the tour starts going again, post the Australian Open, it's the other weeks they've got to try and sort out, because 
you know, I'm watching Davis Cup in uh, Chile, in Ecuador, Mm. uh, the Netherlands over the weekend, uh, even in Finland, which has one player that is uh, massively ranked in the Mil Savori. The rest are so far down the pecking order. If you closed your eyes for a moment, Dwayne, it's one of the best sounds in sport to hear the euphoria at all those stadiums. So I think at this stage of the Davis Cup, this early part of the year, players will put their hand up but then you've got to strategically position the other weeks of the year so that it blends in nicely with the tour. Uh, but the Davis Cup, I mean, those, those sounds were just brilliant. Uh, you know, packed stadiums. People love playing for their country. And that's got to take precedence for mine over the Hopman Cup, the Labor Cup, the United Cup. We've got to make sure Davis Cup's the number one cup. Glad you ranked them. What else is on the show tonight? Yeah, well, uh, we'll actually do an Aussie report card. So... You know, post the Australian summer, and I want plenty of people to weigh in tonight because where where do our Aussies stack? What sort of year, what sort of goal should we be setting for our Australians? I think we're going to raise the bar a little bit, particularly on the women's side because we're lagging. And we're going to raise the bar and get a few more inside the top 100. So we'll dissect all that. A big look at college uh, tennis. A lot of Aussies are doing a nice job in college tennis. Huge over there in the States. And for those who play tennis in Victoria... Uh, state grade is coming back, which used to be absolutely massive for those that had aspirations. So, yeah, we'll go into that uh, later tonight as well. Look forward to it, Brett. Thanks a lot for your time. We'll talk again next week. Brett Phillips, SEN Tennis Commentator, host of the First Serve. 8pm tonight on SEN, the First Serve, now two hours every Monday. We did put a Twitter poll up, SCG or the Adelaide Oval. What's better? Where would you rather go and watch five days of test cricket? Um, At the moment... Over 150 votes so far. Adelaide Oval, 85%. SCG, 15%. So there you go. A couple of texts that have come through as well. Hi, Dwayne. Scarcity tends to add value as a sports lover for over 60 years. AFL cricket, soccer, tennis, etc. I'm one who is not necessarily interested in more. I once really looked forward to test shield cricket. I still have newspaper cuttings from the 80s, but now there is so much cricket that I'm not interested anymore. Sports are competing against themselves uh, that are losing individual value. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting text. Thanks for that, Paul. I would tend to disagree. I don't think you're competing against yourself in a sport for your purist. So cricket might be competing against itself when it comes to having Big Bash, T20, the IPL, etc. as a pay to test cricket, but I think when it comes to growing your brand and growing the people who love your sport, you're competing against other sports. So adding the T20 format to cricket has actually brought people to cricket that wouldn't have been watching cricket at all. We had a caller earlier saying he loves the BBL. He went there with his Irish wife and they loved it and they'll be back. So that's what I think by enhancing the product in different areas, you do that. You just broaden your audience. You don't, you're only competing against yourself, I think, for your purest.